Well, I want to welcome all of our campuses to the third week of our series entitled Vision, Awaken God's Purpose in Our Life. Come on, can we just welcome all those that are joining us? So excited to have you guys with us. In this study, it's a four-week study. I'm going to be finishing up. I'll be teaching next week. Then, by the way, uh, in the month of May, really excited. I'm going to be teaching a series on the Holy Spirit. I uh, didn't do one last year, and so I'm really, really fired up about that. You don't want to miss that. I'll be doing that through the month of May. Now, in this series, we've been talking about vision. Come on, can we just say that word together? One, two, three. Vision. vision. What a powerful term. By the way, the Bible uses a number of terms in an analogous fashion. Vision, dream, purpose, plan, the will of God, the purpose of God, the dream of God, the vision that God has for your life. All of those terms contextually are used in a similar fashion. We pray, oh God, I want to know your purpose. God, I want to know your will for my life. God, I want to know your dream for my life. So in this series, I've been using them interchangeably. Today, I want to continue our series talking about vision. Now, I do want to ask one question. I'm only going to call you, I'm only going to put you on the spot one time. Y'all ready for this? You can't lie. God's here. This is church. How many of y'all at some level even thought about writing down your goals last week? Come on, after the message. Okay, good. Come on, raise your hand. The rest of you, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I... So we talked, about, we talked about the first week, vision. What is the definition of vision? Vision is an inner picture of a preferable future. In other words, it's something you see on the inside that has a projection on the outside. It is a picture. It's not just mental. For the Christian, we have a heart that's alive to God. So God, the Holy Spirit, breathes on our heart. We see it in our minds, but it's in our heart as well. And it's a picture, a a picture of a future. Now, last week I talked about goals. What are goals? Let me tell you what goals are. Goals then are the stair steps. Here's how it works. So vision is the picture. Goals are the stair steps we take in order to fulfill the vision that's in our Hard. I talked about the different types of goals. I talked about professional goals and physical goals, financial goals, fitness goals, family, friendship goals. Again, if you weren't here, I encourage you to get the CD or the message and go online as well. All right. Here's what I've learned. As I've walked with Christ and I've endeavored to follow God's plan for my life, as all of us have, I, I, one of the things I've learned is that along the way to fulfilling the vision that God has for our lives, there are tests. I actually call them vision tests. Now, again, one of the scariest things to hear, by the way, in school, again, my mom was a teacher. She became a principal, all right? She was a principal for a long time. So, and then my wife is a teacher. And so, and so I, I understand the educational world, and, and they've been given me tests, by the way, for a long time. But anyway... One of the scariest things to hear is when you walk into a classroom and they say, clear your desk. Today, we are having our what? Test. And if you didn't prepare, that's scary. I don't know if you were like me. Again, I'm a Christian now. I'm doing a lot better in life. But, but as a kid, I wasn't the best student in high school. And I was like, what test? What does he talk? What she talk? A test? how a lot of Christians are, though. They've got this dream in their heart. They've got this vision from God. It's burning on the inside, and, and something happens, and they turn to their friend. They go, what test? 
I didn't know this was coming. I didn't know this was happening. Well, I want to say that there are tests. There's tests along the road to discovering and fulfilling God's vision and plan for our life. Now, I want to talk to you about something. I want to add a dimension to this. Again, we'll be finishing up next week and starting a new series, First of May. I want to expand my vision a little bit, expand our definition of vision a little bit. Why don't you pull up that definition? I added a part. I added a part this week as I was putting the message together. Vision is not just where God wants to lead you, out there. The dream of God. Boy, that's so futuristic, isn't it? The vision of God. God's plan. Woo. It's like you see a highway. It's awesome. It's not just where God wants to lead you. But it also includes what you're becoming in the process. So vision is not just where you're going, but it's also what you're becoming. You ever thought of that before? See, see, we put an incredible emphasis, and rightly so, of what we're going to achieve and, and, and what we're going to have and what we're going to do and what we're going to accomplish. But the question is, we need to not lose sight. Have we lost sight? Question, have we lost sight in what we're actually becoming in the process? So, so vision and destiny and plan, God's plan for your life, God's destiny. Where are you going? Destination. Where's God bringing you? It's, it's, it's what God called you to accomplish. But I want to add a dimension that I think that we often forget. By the way, the Bible doesn't forget it, though. What are you becoming as you're fulfilling what God has for your life? I had a conversation with a guy in our church last week, very successful guy in a professional sense, extremely successful. And I said, I'm real proud of you. I, I, I really am. He said, oh, man, why? I said, you know what? Because the more successful that you've become, the sweeter you've become, the kinder you've become, the more of a servant you've become. He goes, man, Pastor, appreciate that. Wow. Because the reality is often it's just the opposite. Often it's the more entitled you become. The more you serve me, the more look at me. No, but the reality is in the Bible, when, I, when great men and women of God achieve great things, if you unpack and kind of take the cape off, you find godly people, not perfect people, but godly people that, 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 are, that, are, that are forged, their character. So I want to talk to you today about these tests, and the tests are not so much about what you're accomplishing, it's about what we are becoming. What are we becoming in the process? Paul the Apostle, who is one of my heroes, I love Paul. I love Paul the Apostle. I, I, lo I love what he says in Philippians, talking to you about this, this exchange. He says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. In other words, I've not arrived at the destination. That's where we're moving towards. I've not gotten to that place yet. But one thing I do, I say one thing. Here's what I do, forgetting those things which are behind. What does that mean to forget? Biblically, to forget is not to remember. It doesn't mean not to remember. It means, watch this, not to relish in the past. Because biblically, we are to remember and bring into the present and the future those good things of God's faithfulness and where God's taught us and where we've learned. What we are to let go is of our disappointments, our hurts, our failures, our frustrations, and the ought that we have against others. But we are to take into the future. Here's what I'm becoming. I'm becoming sweeter. I'm becoming kinder. I'm growing in the nine fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, meekness, self-control. Yeah. Paul said it this way. He came to the end of this race. And this is what I want to say about my life. This is what we all should say about our lives. 
He says, I, I, have, I have fought the, I've, I've, I've run the race. What is it? First Timothy says, I, I, I have, I've run the race. I've kept the faith. What race? His destiny. What race? The vision God has for his life. What race? The will that God had for his life. God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for your life. God, I, 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 I've accomplished that. But, but when we lay on our deathbed, we, we, I hope that we can all say, God, I, I thank you that I've accomplished. You fill in the blank. But God, I thank you. I thank you that I have become. Become. The Bible's emphasis is much more on the becoming than the accomplishing. Hey, but we, we can have both. How many of y'all want to become what God's called you to be? Come on. Anybody in here? Anybody wants to become? I want to become what God's called me to be. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to Genesis. I want to talk to you about a, a familiar figure, a patriarch in the Old Testament. Uh, his name is Joseph because I believe that Joseph uh, is somebody that I, that I believe went through more vision tests. I mean, they're so clear. You're going to see this. I, I want to say this for all of our guests. I'm going to deal with a little bit more scripture than I usually do. Uh, I always use the Bible, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a lot of scripture. The reason is because I realize there's, there's people that are new Christians, people that are not yet Christians in our church, people that have been Christians for a long time. So I want to give you the context of each one of these tests. Genesis chapter 37, Joseph was a great man in the Bible. Abraham, Isaac, right? There is these great, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. There, there, there's these great patriarchs uh, in the Bible. Joseph, Joseph was a son of a patriarch and became one himself. A great man of God. And Joseph was one of a, of a, of a group of brothers. And he was actually the youngest of his brothers and and they were sheep herders. That's what they were doing. They were out in the field and they were, they were tending sheep. And out in the field, God, watch this, God speaks to, God breathes upon, God gives a dream to young Joseph. Now, by the way, six ways that God speaks to us. Number one, he speaks through his word, his primary way. Two, through the Holy Spirit. Three, through godly counsel. Four, through prophetic words and encouragement for others. Five, through circumstances. But one of the ways that God speaks to us, the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, in the last days, the Holy Spirit's going to be poured out, and God will give biblical dreams. He'll give Holy Spirit dreams and Holy Spirit visions. Not every dream that you have is from God. Sometimes it's from pizza. Are you with me? Pastor, I had a dream. What happened? I became a John Deere tractor. It was amazing. Then I started eating my neighbor's house. Come on, stop. But there are times when God gives biblical dreams. And God, or when I say biblical, excuse me, God gives Holy Spirit-inspired dreams. God gives Holy Spirit-inspired visions. God gave Joseph one here. Genesis chapter 37, verse 5 to 9. Now Joseph had a dream. And he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. And so he said, please hear this dream, which I have dreamed. There we were. We were right there, binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose, and it stood upright. And indeed, your sheaf stood all around. And well, I'll tell you what happened, guys, to his brothers. They just bowed down to my sheaf. And his brothers said to him, shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? And so they hated him, the Bible said, even more for his dreams and his words. Then he dreamed still another dream, and he told it to his brothers and said, look, I've dreamed another dream, and this time the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bound to me. God spoke to Joseph in a dream. 
And he had a dream. And in this dream, he, he, he saw that there was coming a moment in his life where his brothers, watch this, where his brothers actually, well, they, they, they bowed down. They were in a subservient position. In other words, Joseph told his brothers one day he's going to own the family business. The problem is, is that you don't probably need to tell your brothers that, particularly when you're a teenager. By the way, you're going to work for me one day. You better treat me right. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. You. So, so but, but, but God spoke to him, and, and he had this dream, and, and, and it was in his heart, and he began to share it to his, with his brothers. Now, this is not a message about who or who we should not share our dreams with, but I want to say this. I would say this. Make sure that you share it with people that will celebrate the dream that God put in your heart. I've learned that. I was too presumptuous when I was in my 20s. Man, I thought everybody was excited about what I was excited about. I'm not callous. I'm not hardened. I'm not cautious. Oh, don't trust people. But I think there's a wisdom application approach. That when God's doing amazing things in your heart, we probably need to exercise a little bit of discretion and share it with those that you know will celebrate you. That'll rejoice when you rejoice. Let me give you, the, let me give you some tests that Joseph went through. I put down here four. I think I'm going to get through three because last night, we have Saturday night service, by the way, which if you go to Saturday night service, God will love you more. Okay, that's not theologically correct, but I'll say this. It is a great, great, great service. Five o'clock. All right, number one, four vision tests. I know I'll get through three. Let me give you the first one. The first one is what I call the pit test. Pastor, what are you talking about? Let's watch happens to Brother Joseph. Genesis 37, verse 18. Now when they had saw him afar off, even before he came near, so they go home that night and say, let me tell you something. How'd you feel about it when Joseph said that we were gonna work for him one day? I didn't like it at all. Did you like it? No, God, it really made me mad. Let me tell you what's gonna happen tomorrow. When he comes to work, we're gonna take care of him. Here it is, right here, it's right here. The Bible says, verse 19, then they said to one another, I'll show you right here. Then they said to one another, where are we at? When they saw him afar off, even before he came near, and they conspired against him to kill him. And then they said, look, this who, say it, this dreamer is coming. Yeah, there he is. A little kid. Yeah, he had this big dream from God. We were all going to serve him one day. Yeah, right. Look at the next verse. Come, therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit, and, and we shall say, some wild beast has devoured him, and, and we, 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 we shall see what will become of his dreams. Yeah, we'll take care of that. You ever felt like that before? But Reuben heard it and delivered. Reuben was one of the brothers, and he heard it and delivered him out of their hands and said, let us not kill him. Why? Look at verse 22. And Reuben said, shed no blood, but cast him into this pit which is in the wilderness and do not lay a hand on him that he might deliver him out of their hands and, and bring him back to his father. And in other words, something may happen to him and he may just get ripped and then dad will hear about it and dad will know what we did. And so it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic. See, his father, watch this, his father had put a coat of many colors, colors upon him. It was a coat of favor, a coat of blessing. Yeah, it was a code of, there was a distinctiveness about that. And they ripped it off of him. They stripped him of his tunic and the tunic of many colors that was on him. Next verse, verse 21. Then they took him and cast him into a pit and the pit was empty and there was no water in it. The Bible goes on to say is that they left him there to die. And then they thought, no, I'll tell you what. Yeah, we're gonna leave him there. Yeah, that's what we'll do. We'll leave him there. And then... He'll die right there. 
no water, no food, nothing. And then, and then his dreams are not going to come to pass. And then we're not going to serve him one day. How dare he think that? Can I tell you what's going to happen to him? He's going to die right there with his little dreams. What they didn't know is there was going to come some Midianite slave traders that were going to come through. And they were going to hear a little cry for help. And and they were going to go down, and they were going to pull him out, and they were going to sell him into slavery. And, and, and then he was going to, so he's up here in kind of the Israel area, and, and then he, he, he's on this little caravan, and he ends up kind of over here. He comes southwest, and he lands up in Egypt. And he, and he gets out of the caravan, and he, he wonders where he is. And all of a sudden, Joseph's beginning to think to himself, where's, where's that dream? What happened to that dream? How is that dream going to happen? How am I going to be a man of distinction? How am I going to accomplish this? And, and now I'm, I'm, I'm in slavery in a foreign land with people I don't even know, and I don't even speak their language. They speak Egyptian, and I speak Hebrew. I don't even get this. It's interesting when you, um, when you begin to talk about the dream that God has put in your heart. It's interesting the different responses that people have. It's interesting that you think that everybody's going to be excited about it. Some of you got born again and, and, and you gave your heart to Christ. And you thought your whole family was going to be fired up about it. And the fact of the matter is they threw you in a pit. Well, not a literal pit, but it was a worse pit. They started texting about you. Oh, yeah, they're like a religious fanatic now, you know. They're all into Jesus. Well, we believe in that too. And I mean, now they're talking about the Bible all the time. And, or you're at work and, and, and you start excelling and prospering and you thought everybody was going to be excited. But the problem was when you got to work, you kind of got inducted at the same level and you kind of kept going up and you thought everybody was going to be fired up, but they weren't. Yeah. And now, and now you've got to grapple with the reality of the adversity that's attached to your dream. And it's a test. Everybody say test. Now, in school, let me tell you the teachers I liked when I was, a, I'll just be honest. I like those that would give you the answer key. Come on, can I have a witness? <laughs> I mean, wouldn't that just, if, if a teacher could give you that, and that's just amazing. So if a teacher gives you the questions and the answer key and the study guide, come on, there's no excuse to fail that test. There's no excuse, no excuses all. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you the question. Here's the question, number one, in the pit test. Here's the question. When you get thrown into a pit, any type of pit because of this dream in your heart, the great vision that was in your life, will you lock up or will you look up? Will you accuse God of not fulfilling what he said, what he was going to do through you? Or, listen, will you look up and say, God, I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know where it's going to happen. But I know what you said. I know what you put in my heart. Even though I just got dropped in Egypt, somehow, some way, it's going to come to pass. Or are you going to lock up and say, God, you lied to me. I'm never going to trust you. I'm never going to hold on. God, God, will you, will you look up or will you lock up? That's the question. Here's the answer key. Trust that God is faithful and trustworthy, and he will finish. Everybody say finish. He will finish. He will accomplish all that he promised. Here's the study guide. Memorize this verse. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work 
The dream of God, the plan of God in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. How many are grateful that even when it doesn't look like it's going to come to pass, listen, God says it will come to pass. Come on, how many are grateful for that? I remember when I gave my heart to Christ and God began to move in my heart. And God began to stir and great things began to take place in my heart. And I will admit that I was a little bit presumptuous at times. I probably came off a little bit arrogant at times because I was so excited about what God was doing. I thought, I really did think, I'm getting real transparent, I really did think that everybody was going to be excited about God was. But I quickly found out, I quickly found out that not everybody was going to celebrate what I felt God had called me to do. Not everybody was excited. Here's why. Listen to me. Because sometimes your dream makes those that are around you insecure. Sometimes it's the dream of God that's in your heart makes that, 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 that kind of that wooden plank that's on that deck. It just, it just kind of, you step on it and you get close to it. It kind of pops up sometimes. So let me just say this. God will give you wisdom. God will give you strategy. God will give you insight. If you're in a pit that somebody else puts you in because of your dream, God is faithful to accomplish it. Let me give you the second one. Let me give you the second one. It's the promotion test. Whoa, pastor. This is getting, this is getting intense. So everybody say pit test. Say promotion test. Watch what happens. So Joseph gets thrown out of the wagon. Oh, how did I get here? At least I'm not in a pit. What language are these people speaking? Egyptian. Heard about those people. Yeah. Egyptian. Wow. Man, what's going to happen here? So much for the big dream, God. Genesis chapter 39, 1 to 6. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard in Egyptian, brought him from the Ishmaelites bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. And the Lord was with Joseph. Oh, wow. And the Lord was with Joseph. And he was a successful man. Wait a minute, pastor. So you're telling me if God is with me, he's with me wherever I am. So he's with me if I'm in a pit. He's with me if I'm in Israel, but he's also with me if I'm in Egypt. In other words, God being with you is indiscriminate. Let me tell you, it has nothing to do with geography. It has everything to do with God's touch on your life. So, so in other words, if somebody kicks you out, if somebody fires you, or if somebody maligns you, or if somebody pushes you to the edges, let me tell you, God's with you in the center, and God's with you on the edge. It doesn't matter where a person pushes you. If God is with you, he's now in Egypt because God was with him. The Bible says God made him successful. Oh, my gosh. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And, 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 and his master saw that the Lord was with him. By the way, people recognize when God's hands upon your life. The wisdom and the strategy that you operate in. There's something different about you. You don't have to defend yourself. You don't have to protect yourself. God's with you. They'll, they'll see something. I don't know what's something about them. There's just something different about them. They, I tell you what it is. It's the touch of God upon your life. The touch of the Holy Spirit, the touch of Christ, when God's Spirit is upon your life, and so there's something about there. He's in, he's in Egypt. They were an enemy. They were an enemy of the children. They, 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 how did he get down there? And now God starts promoting this man. God starts promoting this man. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. 
just, just, remember, just, just remember, this is, this is, this is, this is, he's in a foreign land. Some of you guys got dropped off, maybe out of a, a relationship, or, or you, you got pushed out of a business thing, and you thought, my gosh, how did they do that? There was, a legal, there was a legal finagling deal, and it was so unfair, and you got pushed out. And now you got to ask yourself, what happened? And you're in this business deal. Let me tell you something. It doesn't matter if they pushed you out if God's with you. That business, whatever that business was, that you, 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 thought, you thought that you had your positions, your attorneys looked at the contract, you guys went into business, and, but, but I don't know what happened. You got pushed out of the business, and, and now they're, they're prospering, making all the, but, but time out, God is with you. You got to know that. Some of you business ladies, some of you businessmen, that's happened. I'm telling you, I've happened to people in our church, and I've told them, let me tell you something, if God is with you in that business, God is with you outside of that business. Man, I'm preaching to somebody this morning. Excuse me, you're supposed to talk now. Preaching's out, they said. It's talking. No, I like to preach. Anyway, I don't know why I said that, but here we go. So, well, they say that now, just talk to people. I like to, pe I like to spit every now and then. Y'all gonna get it. I don't know if you've been baptized or but you've been baptized four times this morning, all right? Like, y'all heard me about that Cajun mama that told me I used to, I was a youth evangelist. Y'all heard this story before. It's so funny. I just, I, I got to, she, she come up. I was a youth evangelist in my 20s, and we were baptized. We had this big youth revival, and all these kids were there, and they lined up. We were going to baptize them right there. And she goes, Pastor. I wasn't a bad. She goes, Pastor, listen, little Timmy. He's been real bad. When you hold him under the water, hold him extra long. <laughs> like, you, you just drown that sin right off. It just, just. Get off of him! To, you know what I'm saying? So, sorry, God bless your ministries. All right, here we go. So, so it was. So it was. From the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian house for Joseph's sake. That business that you're in is blessed because of you. Because God put you in there. That family's blessed. Even those in-laws or the people that may not, whatever, or that Christmas party, there's the Christian. You ought to say, lightning hadn't hit this place because of me. You better treat me right. Because if you, it's not arrogance. You now you don't have to announce, but it's, it's the reality. By the way, the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament, the, the, the carry the presence of God. Listen, I mean, it was stolen and God back stole. It went to this house called Obed-Edom's house, and it was because of the presence of God in that house, in that Ark. Let me tell you, the presence of God is on you. The power of God was on Joseph's life. God elevated him. God prospered him. God promoted him. Hand, thus, all that, uh, th thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. Here is a foreigner that was sold in slavery that was thrown out of a wagon, and now he's ruling. <sighs> Question. Oh, gosh, I got to hurry. Here it is. Listen, look up here. How are you going to respond when God prospers you? How are you going to respond when God promotes you? Question is the promotion test. When God prospers you, how are you going to respond? Are you going to be arrogant? Are we going to be arrogant? Or are we going to be humble? I never, I'm on a, a, the board of a university, and I, I never forget I was speaking at, this, at, at, at the university, and, and there's a, there was a, the, the, the whole 
Board of Regents. You know, it sounds like a big deal, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but it's, they're sitting over there. And one of the guys that walked up afterwards introduced himself to me. He goes, and, and he says, uh, my name's Mart, Mart Green. I went, oh, man, man, good to meet you. I, and it dawned on me who he was. It was. This is the Hobby Lobby family. David Green is the dad, the patriarch. He's like 80, and Mart's like 55 years old, and he's got two other kids. And, and I was like, Mart? He goes, oh, yeah, Mart. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. Wow. He goes, man, that was a good message. I said, really? Thank you so much. And, and he just was so kind, so gracious. He started asking questions about me. And I thought, well, thank you. I, and it dawned on me. I thought, this, and if you, you may not know the uh, Hobby Lobby, the Green family. Their, their, their net worth is $6.7 billion, billion. They just gave $500 million dollars to the Bible Museum in Washington, D.C. How many are grateful that there is a Bible Museum? Is that incredible? In, in Washington, D.C. Listen, listen. He was the most gracious, humble, and I, I just thought, man, th well, thank you so much. I say this respectfully. There's been people that have come into my church, their lives are broken, their life is just busted. God starts touching them. God starts prospering them. God raises them back up, and I can't find them. Oh, well, you know, that's the, by the way, that's the children of Israel in the Bible. They were broken. They needed God. God raised them up. They didn't need God. Listen, hey, 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 hey. Do you need God the same if you're broken or blessed? Hold on one second. That's real good preaching, Pastor Steve. That's real good. You better be just as desperate for God if you can't pay your bills as if you have a ton in the bank. You better be just desperate for God if you're going through a divorce as your marriage being good, saying without your breath, without your presence, I don't have a good. Are you with me? We need to, we need to be humble before God. The question, will, when God prospers you, and he wants to prosper people, that's in the Bible. The answer is Joseph did not become proud and arrogant as God began to exalt him. There was no sense of entitlement. Look at me. He remained in a humble position of prominence. Study God, 1 Peter 5, 6. Here it is, powerful scripture. Therefore, humble yourselves under the hand of Almighty God. By the way, by the way, there's a choice. Listen to me, this is important. We're talking about the promotion because I believe that God wants to prosper people in Church of the King. God wants to bless you, give you witty ideas, inventions, raise you up, business people, political leaders, academic team, just all over that. Just, give, just, just bless you and just bless you. But this says, therefore, humble what? Say it, your under the hand. So in other words, listen, God gives you an option. Here's the option. The option is we can choose to humble ourselves or God will humble us. Man, I want to humble myself. Every morning, God, thank you, Lord. Without you, without you, I have nothing. Without you, I am nothing. Without you. And Joseph stayed in a position of humility. Let me give you this final one. I'll give you the answer for the last one because all of the administrative personalities, if I don't fill in the fourth blank, you won't even rest today. So let me give you the third one first, the pardon test. Here we go, the pardon test. Oh, gosh. This is a big one. This is big. I got five minutes and we're done. Here we go. You remember his brothers? Last time he saw his brothers, he was in a pit, grasping up like this. Don't do this to me. Y'all don't leave me. Please don't do this. 
and they left. It's the last time he saw them. They didn't know that Joseph got sold by slave traders and he ended up in Egypt. They didn't know that God's hand was upon Joseph. They didn't know that Joseph was still alive. They don't know where he was. They couldn't follow him. There wasn't iPhones. There wasn't, you know, DNA tests where you spit on a piece of paper and send it off and I'm 68% Slavic, 13% Cherokee, India. They don't know where all their answers are. They don't know all this stuff. They don't have Google Earth where they can evaluate where everybody actually is brushing their teeth that morning. They don't have, they, they, they don't, they don't have, they didn't know where he was. They don't have cell phones. They don't have telegram. They did not know what happened to their brother. They thought he was dead. He was done. But there was a famine in the land. There was a famine up in Israel, that area. And they heard, they heard that there was food in Egypt. Little did they know that the person that was controlling the food supply for the Middle East was Joseph. So here comes these brothers. Here they come. Let's go down to Egypt. We heard they got food. Yeah. All right, let's go. And so you got to wait in line. They're all waiting in line. So the door opens. Y'all come on in. What do y'all need? 11 of them. Um, we're hungry. And uh, we're, we're, in, we're starving. We're up there from just up there. And uh, we need some food, sir, please. Little did they know that the guy with the beard recognized those boys. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Those, those, are, those are my brothers. I've not seen them in 30 years. Those are my brothers. Oh my gosh. What am I going to do? He was so overwhelmed, he had to run out the room, the Bible says. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? This is heavy. This is in the Bible. Let's read Genesis chapter 45, verse 1. The Bible says, Then Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried out, Make everyone get out of the room. Everybody get out. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I'm Joseph. He comes back and he says, I'm Joseph. You tried to kill me. You tried to kill me. You left me in a pit. You tried to kill me. And he had total control over them. He could have wiped them out. Oh, he could have wiped them out, all right. Second in command of Egypt, most powerful nation on the earth. He said, I can't believe you did that. And they started one after another. It's Joseph. But your tears started coming down the boy's face. It's Joseph. This is Joseph. And Joseph said to his brothers, I'm Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer, for they were dismayed in his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, please come near to me. And so they came near. Then he said, I'm Joseph, your brother, whom you sold. But now... Do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. The story ends up that 
Joseph ultimately ends up giving him food. There was some exchange and some transactions that took place. He ultimately got his dad down and he ultimately took care of him. And in the end, he says, what you meant for evil, God meant it for good. See, there's been some people in here that you've been put in prison, maybe not in physical prison, but you've been put in some physical prison, but some emotional prison because of things that have happened to you. Things that were done to you, maybe as a kid, maybe in a relationship. You thought everything was going good in the relationship and things changed. Watch this, watch this. And you're going to have a choice. Watch this. Because those people are going to come back in your life at some point. In some way, it's going to come around. Will you fight them or will you forgive them? Will you revile them or will you release them? Will you strike them? Yeah. He forgave them. He forgave them. I want to say this. The number one thing that, dis- that derails people in the vision that God has, the n- number one thing, and you know what I'm talking, you know, I want every campus, everybody that's online looking, you know exactly what I'm talking about because there's people that started this journey that are not around now. You go back. They got disappointed. They got hurt. Something happened. And they allowed that bitterness to come in. See, Joseph never rose to that place of prominence. Watch this. Because of bitterness in his heart. He started forgiving a long time ago. Matter of fact, I'm going to do something. I'm going to ask everybody to stand. I want to ask everybody to stand. 